welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. if you're thankful for that name. How many is thankful to know he has no rival? Are you thankful to know you serve a God who has no equal? That there's no one beside him, but he sits upon the throne and he reigns alone and his name is Jesus? Are we thankful for that beautiful name tonight that has all power and authority? privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11. So very blessed and honored to just join together as the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, I know I made an announcement on Facebook, but I do want to say publicly happy anniversary to my wife, Diana. Eight years. And I, I know what you're thinking. How has she put up with you for eight years? And I, <laughs> I don't know. But here we are. God is so good. Amen. Hebrews 11. I'm excited tonight. I could preach 15 minutes or 45 minutes. I don't know what's going to happen. Is that all right? Just going to do what the Lord wants. Hebrews 9, starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come... Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer Sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In Ephesians 2.13, I know they don't have it on the screen, but here it is. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And tonight I want to preach with boldness under the unction of the Holy Ghost a blood-stained victory. A blood-stained victory. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come together as the body of Christ. We're so thankful that you have given us access to your presence tonight. Lord, we come with expectation in our heart, standing confident on your word and your word alone. I pray that it would go forth and not return void, but you would accomplish whatsoever you would desire for it to accomplish in this house tonight. Help us not just to be stirred, but to be transformed by the power that is in your word. We come with expectation in our hearts and thank you in advance for what you're about to do in this place tonight. If you believe that, would you clap your hands one more time unto Jesus? 
Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Those were the words of encouragement uttered by General Dwight D. Eisenhower as the Allied forces prepared to load up into boats and storm the beaches of Normandy on June 6, 1944. One soldier later said, you were just trying to stay alive. It was total chaos and total noise. By the end of the day, the Allied forces experienced over 10,000 casualties. The D-Day Memorial Foundation puts the death toll of that battle at 4,413. And today, 77 years have passed since those brave men ran in head-on into violent gunfire and pure destruction. The evidence of their sacrifice is testified in the accounts of the condition of Omaha Beach when the battle ended. They said the beach ran red with blood. That victory came at a high price because wives lost husbands, children lost fathers, and parents lost sons. But their bravery hinged on the understanding that freedom sometimes required bloodshed. It's important for us to remember that nearly eight decades later, we need to remember, recall, and retell the noble task and valiant bravery exhibited by those who fought for our freedom today. But the unfortunate reality of that victory is that the victory was only temporary. As we follow the course of American history, we find more war, more turmoil, more bloodshed, and more death. The victory was merely temporary. But there was another moment in human history where blood was shed on behalf of freedom. Only it wasn't pertaining to a democracy, a specific country or region of the world. It was for all of humankind. Because 1 John 2, 2 tells us he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Tonight we stand victorious because of a blood-stained victory over 2,000 years ago on a place called Calvary. It's the blood that Peter spoke about when he wrote in 1 Peter, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know what he's saying? He's saying that you inherited the sin and wickedness from those that came before you. But through the precious blood of the spotless lamb, you don't have to follow that destiny. Can I tell somebody, you don't have to be like those who came before you. The blood says you don't have to be an addict. The blood says you don't have to be a liar. The blood says you don't have to leave in misery. 
Your forefathers may have lived that way. Your family may have lived that way. But the blood has a better word for your life. You are a new creature. You have been set free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know when we talk about the atonement, words like propitiation or penal substitutionary atonement create a fog, a theological confusion, leaving many intimidated, frustrated, or discouraged. But let me assure you tonight, the blood of Jesus Christ isn't a doctrine left to theologians to discuss and debate. The blood of Jesus Christ is at the very foundation of our Christianity. Because without the blood... We have no death. And without the death, we have no resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have no ascension. And without the ascension, we don't have a high priest or advocate to stand between us and the judgment of God. For we know indeed under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But because of that sacrifice, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Is there anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ in this place tonight? But because of the blood of the spotless Lamb of God, we have access to the presence of the Almighty. And it's the blood that heals. It's the blood that restores. It's the blood that sets the captives free. It's the blood that saves the drug addict. It's the blood that gets the drunk off the bar stool. It's the blood that puts families back together. It's the blood that's the answer. I hope we leave this place tonight with a greater understanding or perhaps a renewed reminder that the blood still works. Because if it saved then, it can save now. If it healed then, it can heal now. Anybody in the house thankful for the healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ? When you get a revelation of the power of the blood, you can't walk through life the same. You start walking with victory. You've got a confidence because you know the battle is already won. And when the church starts singing that old hymn, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody, there's an excitement that springs up from within you because you know if it had not been for the blood that was shed on my behalf. That's why Bishop G.T. Haywood, after hours of prayer and focusing on the cross, could pen these lyrics. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves reach the throne of God, are sweeping over me. Is there anybody thankful for that crimson stream of blood? The enemy would love nothing more than for you to live a life of fear. 
thinking you have to run and hide from the attacks of hell. He would love to convince you that you're bound for life by anxiety and depression. That you don't have a chance to ever escape the prison of your own mind. But I'm here to put hell on high notice. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It's time for the children of God to start acting like the children of God and every thought, imagination, or attack be combated with this phrase, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Come on, I wish there was a song in the heart of a tongue-talking, born again, washed in the blood child of God. For it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. And it will never, ever, 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 ever lose its power. Are you thankful for that blood tonight? Could you imagine with me for a moment how terrified hell would be if we just started pleading the blood of Jesus all over our lives in this place? Come on, I plead the blood over my mind. Come on, mama, I plead the blood over my children. Come on, husband, I plead the blood over my marriage. Is there anybody that still believes the blood has power and authority? We need to let the enemy know, I plead the blood against you. We will not be defeated because we've already got the victory through the power of the blood. Allow me tonight to travel back to the beginning. Because it started in a garden. But really garden doesn't quite evoke the proper imagery to the place Adam and Eve originally called home. Paradise feels more like a fitting term to describe the life they once enjoyed. And yet though they lived in God's picture perfect environment. They had the ability to choose obedience or disobedience. We look around at the world today and we know the proof of their poor decision. They chose disobedience and entered into a life of sin, open to transgression, to the command of God. Listen to Genesis 3. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. When the couple decided to defy the command of God, we read that sin entered and brought along with it the awareness of their nakedness. Their eyes were opened and they became ashamed. How many knows tonight that sin brings shame? Sin brings guilt. And they realized that they were naked, so they took leaves to cover themselves. But the Bible says in verse 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. First, I want us to notice what happened here. Adam and Eve, sinners from a fallen world, tried to clothe themselves. They assumed that the leaves were adequate covering. In their fallen sinful minds, they had done enough to cover themselves. After all, they weren't as exposed as they once were. But the Bible makes it a point to mention 
their idea of covering didn't line up to God's idea of covering. Can I just stop right here and say that we can't afford to allow a fallen world to tell us what modesty looks like. The church can't afford to get trapped into the mentality that says we... Well, all the world is doing it, or all the world is dressing that way, but all the world is also headed to hell in a handbasket, but I don't want to join them. It's not about legalism. We aren't splitting theological hairs. We aren't trying to be different for different sake. This is the word of God. And humanity's concept of covering didn't line up with God's concept. This was a problem from the beginning. But I don't want to bow to the mentalities and ideologies of a lost world. I want to surrender to what God expects from His people. Anybody thankful you don't look like you once looked? You don't dress like you once dressed. You don't talk like you once talked. You don't go places you once went. We are called by God. So the world shouldn't wonder. Now I'm not talking about people that come off the street. I'm talking about sanctified, Holy Ghost filled people. As we grow together, as we, as we understand more, there is a difference that happens, starts on the inside and works its way on the outside. And so the world, if you are a child of God and live with Him for any significant amount of time, should not wonder if you're coming from the church or the club. Because we are called to come out from the world and be ye separate. We have a higher calling, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Are you thankful you walk in the light tonight? Are you thankful you're not who you once were? But watch what happens here. Not only does he correct their immodesty, he offers an atonement for their sin. Because the coats that he clothed Adam and Eve with were made of animal skins. Meaning that something had to die for them to be covered. It was their transgression. Their punishment. They had a debt that required repayment. Don't ever let someone tell you God wasn't gracious in the Old Testament. That, that he wasn't a God of mercy until we get to the new. Because from the beginning he displayed a love for humanity. Because Adam and Eve should have died in their disobedience. But the Lord allowed blood to be shed on their behalf. You thankful for that blood tonight? Amen. We go and we follow the trail of blood to the next generation. Where the sons of Adam... Cain and Abel are sacrificing to the Lord. We read in Genesis 4, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the first fruits of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain, he was off, to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. Notice why the text explains Cain's frustration and eventual murder of his brother Abel. Cain's anger stemmed from his jealousy of what his brother was willing to sacrifice. Did you know some people won't like you because of your level of sacrifice? 
There will be times in your life where people criticize, discourage, attack. Not because you did anything wrong, but because you were willing to do what they weren't. But let me assure you, the sacrifice will be worth it in the end. Because if you are willing to offer God now, if you are willing to sacrifice now, it will speak to generations that come after you. Let me prove it to you. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And so the Lord accepts the sacrifice of the brother willing to offer blood because it is the blood which stands between a perfect God and a sinful world. Amen. Let's follow the trail of blood further into Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. Time passes on through history till we reach a man named Abraham. Abraham followed the call of an invisible God and left the confines of comfort to pursue a city whose builder and maker is God. And this Abraham, though he stumbled, doubted, and disobeyed, was also a model of faithfulness. But perhaps the greatest example of his faithfulness to the Lord came in Genesis 22. Because it's here where we find Abraham finally receiving the promise of God for a son between himself and his wife Sarah. Isaac was a miracle boy. The child of Abraham's old age. Finally, after years and years, Isaac is here. And yet we read in Genesis 22, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What a strange request. From the Lord. Think for a moment the emotions that you would feel if God had asked you the same thing. How unfair it would be to wait all these years for a promise, only to have the same promise ripped from your arms. But here's the amazing part Abraham's life journey taught him that the Lord would provide. His life of faith prepared him for this moment. Do I trust in what makes sense or do I trust in the Lord? Anybody in the house ever been there? Come on, you ever thought, God, what, what are you asking me to do? This isn't fair. What, what you're telling me doesn't make sense. But let me encourage you tonight. He knows the end from the beginning. And he's already got a plan in place. And though it doesn't make sense, or we may ask why, I have this confidence in what he said. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Anybody thankful to know that God has a plan in place? Abraham didn't know what was going to happen on that mountain. He knew that blood was required and that the blood asked for was the blood of his promised child. But he obeyed and he walked up that mountain anyways because he walked forward, because his trust was in the Lord. He wasn't trying to figure out the details on his own. Abraham couldn't see what God was doing behind the scenes. Because in verse 13 it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. Did you know that God works behind the scenes? 
Did you know that God already had a plan for the ram to be there? Abraham couldn't see the ram behind him because he was focusing on the God in front of him. And I wonder how many times we miss out on a greater walk with the Lord because we don't trust him enough to go up that mountain. How many of us miss our miracle because we don't believe that God loves us enough to provide a ram in the thicket? But look what happens after Abraham finds the ram. Ready for it? So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh or the Lord will provide. And some of us miss the revelation that he's a provider because we're too afraid to walk up that mountain. We think the price is too great. We think the cost is too much but hear me tonight he is still Jehovah Jireh he can still make a way when there seems to be no way if I will trust and follow the call up the mountain I have this confidence that God is working all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose that is your promise tonight As we quickly go to Exodus 12, we see another example of blood through the Passover. Exodus 12, 7 says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. For the sake of time, let me go to verse 11. In this manner shall you eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. Ready for verse 13. But the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. Israelites found themselves on the brink of freedom. The brutal captivity they endured for generations was beginning to slip through the harsh hands of the Egyptian rulers. Nine plagues had come and gone, proving to the land of Egypt that there was a God in Israel. And just before the final plague arrived, the Lord instructed every home to do a very specific thing. He said, take some blood and put it on the doorposts. Be inside your home. Be dressed and ready to leave at any moment. And make sure the blood is applied. Because judgment is coming. And in order for you to escape that judgment, you've got to have the blood. That's why we believe in the invocation of the name of Jesus in baptism. Because it's the name that invokes the blood. You've got to have that name over your life if you want it on the doorpost of your heart. First, the blood must be applied. But second, you've got to stay covered in the blood. Imagine being a firstborn child present the night of the Passover when the judgment of God began visiting each house. Suppose you took the time to apply the blood on the doorposts of your home. You made the meal. You prepared like you were instructed. But as you were waiting, 
Curiosity piqued your interest. All of a sudden, you begin to wonder what was going on outside. You began viewing the sanctuary of the blood more like house arrest than a haven. And you walk outside, wander down the street, only to find out that judgment came to your house. Hear me tonight. If you are debating leaving the covering of the blood in the house because you're curious of what's going on outside, please don't. I can assure you that you'll be disappointed with what you find out in that world. And while there's always a space of grace and opportunity to repent right now, when judgment stops by, it'll be too late. But we don't have to settle for the judgment of God because we stand victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I urge you tonight in the Holy Ghost, don't leave the blood. I know what the world presents might seem appealing, but you aren't covered out there. You won't escape judgment out there. But when you are covered in the blood, You can walk in the newness of life with all confidence knowing that He is for you. So whatever you do, hear me tonight. Do not leave the blood. Do not leave your covering. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you've got the door, your hand on the door, and you're fixing to walk out. But in the name of Jesus, shut that door and let the enemy know I'm covered. I'm covered. I'm covered. I refuse. To leave the covering of the blood. I wish somebody would praise God for that covering right now. I wish there would be a Holy Ghost praise. Because you're thankful. You don't have to worry about that judgment. Because Jesus is for you tonight. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Finally we arrive to the tabernacle in the Old Testament. I certainly don't have time to get into the intricate details of the furniture found in the tabernacle. But for right now, just suffice to say, it was a meeting place between God and man. It was within the tabernacle that Aaron, the high priest, would enter on the Day of Atonement to offer a sin offering on behalf of himself and the people. Once a year on the tenth day of the seventh month, the high priest alone would enter into the holy place. It was here that he would make a sacrifice for himself and the people. He would then take the blood and walk past the veil which separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And there in the presence of God, he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. It was this process that would take place year after year. Generation after generation. Until one day... A man was nailed to a cross, suffering in anguish. And he took his final breath. And the Jews and Romans understood this was no ordinary man. As the earth quaked and the veil was torn, suddenly a system of sacrifices were replaced with the ultimate sacrifice. Which is why we read Hebrews 7.27. He has no need like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily 
for first his own sins and then for the other people. Since he did this once for all when he offered himself. All other high priests were worried about their own sins as well as the sins of the people. They would always be insufficient. They would always seek forgiveness for their own lives. But they were just a shadow of what was to come. Because there was a greater high priest who was the lamb slain from the foundation of the universe. And his own sacrifice satisfied the judgment of God through the requirement of his own blood. Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession. It was that sacrifice that allows us tonight to experience the presence of God. And I know sometimes it's difficult when we come week in and week out. And we begin to take this opportunity for granted. But I want us to take a step back and understand. Before the blood, only one person on planet earth could get into the presence of God. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, every person sitting in this place tonight can walk confidently into the presence of an almighty God and know that you can speak to Him freely and he will hear you when you cry and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother you don't have to leave here without the presence of God he's already right here he's waiting will you respond through his blood would you stand with me tonight and clap your hands as the musicians come Lord we worship you tonight we thank you for what you're going to do in this place Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's what I felt like this afternoon, making sure that I didn't leave this pulpit without saying, some of you have walked in here bloodied and bruised. Life is absolutely wearing you out. And understandably, it is causing questions and doubts as you ask God, why? Why am I feeling this way? Do you even understand what I'm going through? But can I tell you that before you were bloodied and bruised, He was bloodied and bruised. Anybody thankful to know that he knows exactly what you've been through. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He's not a God that sits on his throne and judges without understanding. But he stepped into the world he created. He was tempted and tried. He faced the challenges of life and he endured the cross. He was in all points tempted like we are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows every fear. He knows every heartache. He knows every pain. He knows about your past. He's already experienced Experienced the heartache of humanity and yet he thought you were worth dying for. For any other person, execution via Roman crucifixion was a sure sign of defeat. 
And when they took the body of that criminal off that cross, the blood stained in the wood of that cross exclaimed embarrassment, shame, and defeat. And yet tonight, we stand with the hope of eternal life because of the blood-stained cross that Jesus died on. The cross is for you. The cross for you and me, it would be a statement of defeat if we would have went on. But here's the greatest news. We serve a Savior that bore a cross instead of a crown. Because He looked through the course of human history and He saw you and He saw me and He said they are worth dying for. So tonight we have access to the presence of God and victory through the cross. Don't you ever let the enemy tell you you don't have value. Don't you ever let the enemy tell you you're worth or Jesus doesn't care because he saw you on that cross and he died anyways he died anyways he died anyways he saw your past he saw your mistakes he saw your addiction and he died anyways he saw your defeat he saw your failure and he died anyways tonight you can run to an altar and you can have that blood applied because there's a Jesus that loved you and to despite your flaws he died anyways if you're thankful for that blood why don't you clap your hands all across this place I'm going to open up these altars but I want us to remember this verse at the opening text he entered once for all one time is all it took. He became a high priest and entered once for all. So the blood is for everybody. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what neighborhood you grew up in, what your family looks like. We better leave with a revelation that the blood is for you. I wonder if somebody would step out of their place tonight and come to an altar and make sure that that blood is applied to your life. Can we respond to the word? Because he's here for you. He does doesn't want you to leave the same. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can be healed. Whatever you need, you can find it through the power of the blood of Jesus. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You're defeated. You're a defeated foe. You've already lost. The blood has a better word for your life tonight. Come on, make sure that blood is applied. Make sure that blood is applied. Make sure you're under the blood tonight.